but I wanted to do horror stuff for my friend. Well, you're sorry, Hugh. It doesn't matter what your name is. Hezzy, episode 76, May 28th. It's Friday. It's Friday, baby. Bucks and Heat. Are the Bucks this good or is Miami just fried? Because it looks like right now the Bucks' only weakness is Giannis's free throw clock. Right? Shit. My eye test and my gut tells me the Bucks should be the favorite in the East right now. Granted, health, obviously, right? DiVincenzo left the game early, hurt foot. What's with the contusion listing from these teams? Everybody's got a contusion. That is the most vague injury, right? Like, that really means something hurts and they don't know what's wrong, right? And so DiVincenzo with the contusion early in that game. But yeah, back to, I'm getting sidetracked here, right? Like, the Bucks, after this first round showing, look like they should be the favorite to come out of the East. Their offensive rebounding has been crazy. And I feel like that's how they will beat the Nets. That, along with Lopez, playing like a big and dominating the paint. Should they not be the favorite over Brooklyn? I mean, when Brooke, when Brooke has a fresh lineup, you're in trouble, right? When Brooke's got the fresh fade, you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, they mean business, right? And then you look at Drew Holiday and, you know, some, shout out to my guy who, who added me and said on Twitter last night, he's not getting the credit that he is due. And he's right. I think part of that is when you're coming to a team that was already so dominant, it's not as noticeable as compared to like Chris Paul to the Suns. They take this big leap. So Chris Paul's going to get that credit. Drew, he's just the perfect fit next to Giannis, right? Because think about this here for a second. He's as talented a guard you can get that's not going to think it's his team. Most guards of his caliber they're going to be like, it's my team. I'm the guy, right? But Drew is an all-star caliber player who's willing to play his role in his part. And so it's a perfect fit with this deep Milwaukee Bucks team. Now, those are my initial thoughts, my gut feeling. But then another part of me looks at the carcass of this Heat team. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm overreacting here. Like, you know, are, are they just making the Bucks look this good? And again, the question, are the Bucks this good or is Miami just melting in front of our eyes? You see Pat courtside? <laughs> oh man, he's about to green light Tyler Hero, right? You remember that scene in Training Day where Denzel leaves Ethan Hawke at the Mexican's house in the hood? Jimmy going to take Tyler too, right? He's going to be like, hey man, we, you want to go for a ride? I'm going to take you to my guy's house. Tyler going to look around for a second and realize Jimmy's gone. He don't know where he at. <laughs> no, nah, man. Honestly, though, this what this does here is kind of gives validation to those who felt like the bubble was a fluke, right? The run from the heat last year was a fluke. I wasn't really one of them. I thought that there were some weird circumstances that allowed them to make the run. I wasn't going to dismiss that, but I thought that this team was going to come back and look just as good. 
And it feels like something's wrong internally, right? The, the, what has taken the fight and belief out of this Heat team? There's something that's going on behind the scenes, or maybe it's just a seven-foot Nigerian by way of Greece. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I don't have any answers for you. Is Bam hurt? I hope he is, because if he's not, it looks like they've just pulled his whole card. Like he doesn't, he looks like he doesn't even want to play basketball. Maybe part of it is the Victor Oladipo trade going south. I mean, they got Bielitsa out there trying to guard Giannis. Uh, you know, it is what it is. But this is the type of beating that makes you reevaluate your entire roster. Your entire roster. Bam, Jimmy, everybody. I'll tell you what, if I'm an opposing GM, though, I try to buy low on Tyler Hero. Because jokes aside, I still think he's nice. I think there's been a sophomore slump. I think he's been drinking his own Kool-Aid down there in South Beach. But, you know, I still think that there's a lot of potential there. And you, you try to buy low right now on him. But obviously, I think we're going to see a huge shuffle up from this Heat team, right? You know, they, like they every year they're connected to whoever's out there as a free agent, whether that be Kawhi this year, whoever it's going to be, Bradley Beal. But I think that, you know, Riley may pull the trigger. He may have, the ship may have sailed really to pull the trigger on his young assets. Because here I am talking about buying low on Tyler Hero. There was a time where Heat fans and the consensus was, oh, we're not going to send a package of Hero none and whoop-de-whoop for Brad Beal. Now, you ain't getting that deal. Not after what they've shown in this playoffs. I say all of this, and I'm sure they come out in game four and look like the Heat team of old and turn it into a gentleman's suite by taking one game. But what's the point? What's the point? <laughs> you know, I think the irony is most people thought that this would be the most competitive and intriguing first round matchup. She is. Lakers' sons, Frank Vogel uses his challenge on the first play. I kind of like it. It was kind of a statement like, look, man, we ain't doing this. We ain't doing this. It was a Jay Crowder corner three that AD, I guess, nicked his leg. It was one of those like real close suspect calls. And Vogel was like, nah, fuck that. We challenging this right now. We ain't doing this tonight. Um, it was unsuccessful. <laughs> but there was all sorts of flopping and bullshit to start this game. This, this game was, was ugly. And you're starting to see it kind of boil over here. And this is, this is the series that's going to get chippy. And it did. And then down goes Anthony Davis. Let's call it what it is. AD was the kid in your neighborhood. When he fell down crying, everybody just kept playing because it was such a regular occurrence. He had this chase down block on Booker. He lands funny in his knee buckles. I think... Anthony Davis needs to make more business decisions when it comes to protecting the rim. That's really what it comes down to. Like he, he just, you, you can't go after all of them, AD. Not at this point. You, you know, you've got to, it's risk reward sometimes here. Just give up the basket. But I understand that's much easier said than done when you consider that's really what his superpower is. When you think of Anthony Davis, right, you think of crazy rim protection and shot contests. To ask him to put the reins on and, and try to harness that. It's a tough thing to do. But listen, toughness is a muscle. And you are seeing Anthony Davis strengthen that muscle over the last year or so, right? I don't know how you can't be impressed with how we finished that game. Dragging that leg around. 
And he wasn't out there as a decoy. Be clear. He wasn't out there shooting jump shots and playing soft. He was still finishing in the paint above the rim and playing physical. It really feels like AD has leveled up his toughness. Got to give him credit. Meanwhile, Devin Booker, welcome to the playoffs. I think what you're seeing with Book is he is too preoccupied with trying to read the help defense. He's too concerned with the D. Typical Kardashian trait. So maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Had to take a shot. I had to take a shot, y'all. You know Book's my guy, but I mean, he's struggling. It is what it is. I'm disappointed in the way he's performing. And I understand they're making it very tough on him. Chris Paul, the Lakers understand how limited he is. So that just means even more focus on Book. I think the next step for Devin Booker is extending that range to the deep three. He shoots the three, right? But he's not very prolific with it. And his range, you know, he doesn't he doesn't shoot the deep three often. But I think what that does when you look at the Dames, the Stephs, the Trey Youngs, the guys that shoot it, it's not just for show. It's also to spread and open up the floor, to pull the defense apart. And so I think that that will be the next phase for Devin Booker in his offensive arsenal. Second half, LeBron looked like he woke up. He looked like he woke up. And I think part of it was he realized that AD was hurting. And that forced him to be more aggressive. Because let's face it, for the first 10 quarters of this series, you know who he looked like? He looked like a big-ass Lonzo Ball. He was just kind of moving the ball every chance he could and just kind of just being like a, a super role player, just kind of a spectator out there taking the occasional three ball. And so as LeBron woke up in the second half and you, you saw the Suns let this, this thing get away, right? You could argue Chris Paul at this point is doing more harm than good. And then there's Jay Crowder, a.k.a. Wash Dylan Brooks. Bro is two of 20 from three in the series. And yet somehow he's still letting it go like he's fucking Clay Thompson. The shit is crazy. The shit is crazy. But not only that, not only that, Jay decides to poke the bear. Y'all saw it. Y'all saw Andre Drummond acting like the goof that he is on the sideline and it fired LeBron up, right? And not only that, it you what you saw, the problem with what happened, because the Lakers got a little out of pocket, right? And it, and it became uh, the LeBron Crowder show there for a few minutes. And, and it allowed the Suns to climb back in the game from a scoreboard standpoint. But what it also did was it allowed LeBron to kind of get his juices flowing, his confidence going, and, and, and he started to look like LeBron. That's the problem with the little ISO sessions on Crowder. And, you know, the one thing that I will say is I think as the game went on, Believe it or not, it became a must-win for the Lakers. And I'll tell you why. There was just too many casualties of war. We already talked about AD dragging that leg around. Schroeder rolls his ankle. KCP leaves the game. He, hurt, he hurts his knee. He's got a knee contusion, whatever, the, whatever that means, right? And uh, so, yeah, man, the Lakers, they get the win, but they're leaking oil like an old Cadillac. Late, you saw it get ugly. Booker and Crowder gets ejected. And I say, good, that's playoff basketball. And AD is right. Devin Booker broke one of the unwritten rules of, of basketball. You don't two-hand push a guy in the air. It's one thing to give him a forearm, a shoulder, like you jump with him. When you put two hands on a man that's already elevated, you don't do that. He's right. And I think Devin Booker is very frustrated right now. So, you know, I don't think he's a dirty player. It was a dirty play. 
So the Lakers gain control of the series. But again, at what cost? It's too early in the playoffs to be leaking oil like this if you're a Laker fan, right? Like, we'll see. We'll see, man. Portland and Denver. This game was running at the same time. So once the Lakers pulled away, I flip over to this one to start the fourth. Yo, where the fuck did Rondé Hollis Jefferson come from? I turned on the game. I'm like, who is this nigga? Rondé Hollis Jefferson is playing in the fourth quarter for the Blazers? Where's he been? I'll tell you where he looks like he's been on some sort of spiritual journey or something. I don't know, man. But anyway, I love seeing Melo in his final OG form in that fourth quarter as a super weak side attacker. Pulling Jokic out above the three-point line in that pick and roll relentlessly. And they're trapping and Dame's swinging it to Melo. He banged a couple big threes down to keep them within contact. But then Austin Rivers went crazy. Austin Rivers started the fourth quarter one of five from three. He hit four of them. And each one was bigger than the one before it down the stretch. I've been an Austin Rivers fan, man. I'm, you know, I got receipts for it. I don't know where to find them, but you know, if you've been listening, I, I've always been an advocate of him. The thing with Rivers is you've got to enable him. We talk about role players and guys playing their part in roles. Austin Rivers is not a guard that you can say, hey, go stand in the corner and take three shots in the game and make them. No, no, no. He needs to have the ball in his hands. That's where he finds his rhythm. And it just so happens this Denver team is so depleted that he has to have the ball in his hands. And we've seen in the past already, he's not afraid of the big stage. You remember when he was a young dude playing for his dad, that Clippers series where he was bleeding all over the place? He showed up. Remember, that was like the most impressive thing. I'm I'm sure the Clippers lost one way or another because that's what they do. But I remember one of the takeaways from the series was like, damn, Austin Rivers is tough. Say what you want about, dude. He's kind of tough out there. He ain't afraid of the lights. We saw it again last night. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but... He's filling in for Murray admirably. Obviously, obviously, Denver fans, he's not Jamal Murray. He's not that score. But, I mean, what do you want to do? Y'all are up 2-1. He's he's in there. He's in there. He's doing it. He did it last night, right? That was kind of Jamal Murray-esque in that fourth quarter. Now, remember the Knicks, they signed him in the offseason to like a three-year deal or something like that. I thought it was a bargain deal, and they end up trading him to the Thunder, who right away wave him because you know what the Thunder's doing. Now, I was trying to think like, yo, why did the Knicks just trade him like that? Did he have a, was it, was it for Emmanuel quickly? Did he say something wild to Tibbs? But then if I remember correctly, was it in turn to bring in Derrick Rose, right? Because it was at the trade deadline. I don't know if it was a cap thing or just, just a roster situation, like positionally. So they, they move off him. And I'll tell you what, the fact that no one picked him up until Denver got desperate here, it looks a little funny in the light, doesn't it? He, he wasn't he's not an NBA player. Have you seen some of these dudes on rosters? I don't know. I don't know. So Denver takes a 2-1 lead in a series that I remind you Portland has to have. It's do or die for Portland. They get knocked out by this depleted Denver Nuggets team in the first round. You got to blow it up. You got to blow it up. But that, we're a long ways away from that. We know how competitive this series is going to be. It's going to be back and forth, and either team can win on either team's floor. So there's a long way to go before we really have that discussion. Tonight, game three, Knicks and Hawks. I have a feeling the Hawks in Atlanta are going to be extra turned up. 
after seeing how they did Trey in New York. All right, there may be a storm waiting for this Knicks team in Atlanta this evening. And then later, Kawhi packs his bags, Mavs, Clippers, game three. Is there a third game? I think there's a third game. Oh yeah, Boston, Brooklyn. Is that a game? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. Y'all enjoy the weekend. This is the Hezzy, brought to you by basketballgods.net. I'm out, y'all.